0: Hello, I'm Joe Lloyd and this is Pet Place The podcast series by pet parents for pet parents And today we're talking about pet anxiety I'll be asking a panel of experts for advice on how to spot the signs and how to deal with it We're going to learn tips and tools to keep our pets calm So, I'm joined by three guests on today's episode. Welcome, ladies. Let's start by learning a bit about each of you. Let's start with you, Annika. Hello, um, my name's Annika,
1: and I work in the Pet Place mold store. So I've always had a massive interest in dogs. Um, I did a degree uh, in dog training and behaviour, and um, my background is all about animal management. Um, I have two dogs myself, so basically my life is just revolving around dogs, and I just obsess over them.
2: So I'm Charlotte or Charlie Carr, and I'm a clinical animal behaviourist. So I did a master's in clinical animal behaviour, and since then I've working with. Uh, behavior products such as fellow and adaptil and being like a behavior support for those hi i'm
3: sarah hayward i'm a vet and owner of moktra vets in moktra it's a veterinary practice and rehabilitation center
0: Thank you. Well it's great to have you all joining in on this podcast today and Sarah you've been hit with us before so it's great to chat to you again. So today we're going to talk about how to deal with pet anxiety and how to keep our pets calm and it is a big big question especially as we're now approaching dare I say coming out of summer into autumn and winter months. So my first question is uh, to you all really but we'll start with you Annika. What are the main symptoms of pet anxiety? What are we what can we see for the first sort of symptoms that appear okay so a lot of this is
1: going to be depending on the animal so for example for dogs if you're seeing your dog that's drooling um, and it's not a mastiff obviously mastiffs um, and st bernard's those sort of breeds they do tend to drool just in general um but you know if you've got a border collie that's drooling that's Probably not normal for that dog. Things like shaking. So, if you're in the car and the dog's shaking, again, if the dog just, you know, it's not a normal thing for your dog, then again, that's something else I'd be looking out for. Panting. So, you get a few different types of panting. If you've got a dog that's doing what's basically like a spoon pant, which is basically like a flat, quite wide pant, I would say that's quite a stress, stressy pant. Obviously, if it's a hot day, you know, all these things have to be t- taken into consideration. There's also something called a whale eye, which is basically where the dog. Dog is looking—it's like a bit of a side eye. So you see, you'll see the whites of the eyes. And again, that's a very subtle thing. To be honest, a lot of people won't even notice it. But if you see your dog doing that in a in a certain situation, and you just think, "Oh, hang on a second, he doesn't normally do that." Again, that could be a sign of anxiety. Another one I would say is hiding. So obviously, if he's hiding under the bed, and you've said, "Oh, should we go for a walk?" and kind of that would raise a few questions for me. And pacing and whining again—those are the sort of things that I would be. again, it's sort of like a symptom of anxiety, really. So cats, I would say things like tail flicking, hiding, again, is quite common for cats. Uh, Crouching, raising their hair, the hackles, excessive grooming, that sort of thing. Um, If they're losing hair, again, that can be something down to anxiety. Things like horses, um, they're pacing up and down. So if you think about like a field, they could be pacing up and down a field. Maybe their friends have gone and they're just a bit stressed about that. Ears back, that's one that's you might find, you know, if they if you approach a horse and the ears are going back, it's kind of like they're probably a bit not sure about you. Um, tail swishing and just any sort of retreating from you. Um, things like crib biting and weaving. So that is basically where the horse is chewing on like fence or uh, like a stable door or something like that. Um, and the weaving is where they're sort of moving their heads. Um, and it's quite, a, like, it's quite a stressful behavior. So any of these sort of things I'd be looking at and thinking... I'm concerned about this animal and I would want to know why it's doing it and try and see what I can do to help it basically
3: Yeah, so I think Annika's given quite a good comprehensive list, but even in the list she's given, there's still many more subtle things that you might see. And the biggest thing I hope people take from this podcast today is to try and understand what your pet does normally and notice when there's any little side changes, things that are different, any behaviours that are being repeated The big thing we see that people always assume is normal is like a a dog yawning and they think, oh, is he bored? Is he tired? And it's not. It could be that he's stressed. And the biggest thing that will motivate a dog in our surgery to make things stressful is actually the owner. So as well as looking at the subtle cues they're getting from their animals, they should be looking at their own behaviour, how they can make the sort of time with us a bit more positive we actively encourage people to come and do social visits Uh, we've got big open rooms Uh, we encourage the dogs to go off the leads smile around just so that they get used to it get sort of a bit more settled but yeah knowing sort of what your dog does normally and then looking for exaggerated actions that could be a clue that, that there is anxiety going on and if you're going into a consulting room and you're anxious I can bet a million pounds your dog will be anxious too.
0: And of course, now we're we're approaching a time where there are probably lots of new pet owners, you know, lockdown pets, lockdown dogs, puppies, cats, etc. that have been bought. And this is a new experience completely. We're about to go into um, autumn and the changes that come with being in the UK in the autumn um, and and people going back to work, you know, that stress anxiety comes in. So you'll have a lot of owners coming to you not recognising these signs because, you know, the the pet is new
3: to them. Yeah, I mean, there are um, videos and guides where people can look and see what signs would show anxiety and stuff. And if people are in a situation that's new to them and it's not just with lockdown, it's any situation, the key is preparation and practice. You know, if you think something is going to be stressful for your animal, break it up into baby steps, you know, attempt each baby step until they're happy with it and then, you know, work on it. But prior to covid we used to sort of make recommendations from september for people with fireworks and you know we'd show how working and doing planning and preparation they'd be able to cope better than the people that would turn up on the 5th of november and be shocked that their animals were were stressed by the fireworks so as hard as it is to say a lot of anxiety problems come down to the owner the the owner has all the time you know to prepare and get an animal used to a situation is when it's rushed and not planned that you end up with problems and people do need to research you know why is your animal doing x y and z and how can you you know make it better are they anxious are they bored are they frustrated are they doing these actions to get you know some reward from you and how the animal will respond does to a point be guided by the owner and it it is unfortunately the part of being an owner that you have to invest the time in training and making these situations better.
2: Yeah I with many of the different situations especially if it does start from stress and fear then you are trying to help them not just um, with training but within their environment and also products so You can get pheromone-based products. So for cats and dogs, they do pheromone products that you can spray or plug in, which then will help create that calming environment and help either the dog or the cat feel a bit more reassured and a bit more comfortable. But with the different scenarios, it's also best to see what happens before, what happens after, what might be that trigger or the stimuli, whatever it is, that is causing that stress and try to, again, start, With the training for that. So, either break it down like Sarah said, or start if they are a brand new puppy or kitten, try and start and show them the things that are potentially scary in a positive way. So, having these products around creates that positive environment. And then you're able to also train with treats, toys, praise, something fun, anything that the dog or cat will enjoy, and just create such positive bonds, which not only help the owner animal bond but also the associations with anything that might be potentially scary
0: now my dog is uh, 14 and a half now He's a Jack Russell Terrier and I'd always describe him as quite a emotional, stressy dog, which sometimes I do, you know, I'm taking ownership for this now because um, it's just been me and him. So I think that that's a lot of to do with me and the fact that it's just me and him. And if I go out, he's thinking, oh, when's she coming back? And he really, even at 14 and a half, does suffer from stress fireworks aside because things have changed now over the years um he his his hearing isn't great so um the fireworks don't bother him as much as they did when he was a young adult dog and i've i've gone down the route of those products but just anxiety in general he he does get really stressed and and now i'm faced with something new is the fact that his hearing's gone He can't hear me if I'm, say, upstairs. So then he thinks, oh, she's gone out again and left me. So I get that kind of stress out of him as well. What's the best thing for me to do with him?
2: So obviously being that age, that's a great age. You probably had quite a long time together. So I'd use that bond, be able to show that I use that as a positive association, but also give really strong cues that he'll know about. So if you'll be one minute, just maybe put your finger up for one, I'll be one minute. And obviously, dogs use visual cues so much, so it will be really important for him. And then if you are going to be maybe a bit longer, try and do maybe a wave or five minutes, just so that he can then know, actually, you'll be back soon, or I'll relax, and I'll lay down. And I'll be able to know that you're coming back a bit later. And also try and train that settle. So whether you're there or not, being able to lay down and actually relax by himself is something that you should try and promote. And if he does choose to do that, reward it and try and see it um, occurring more and more.
3: Even at 15, you should still have sort of games and stuff and older dogs thrive on mental stimulation. So if you're going out, he could still have, you know, Snuffle mats, um, we recommend them quite a lot for arthritic dogs and older dogs anyway. So making him play and do stuff with his brain when you go out is actually a good good distraction. And age shouldn't be a, a barrier to that. And the older they are, the the more you can play brain games and stuff with them it shouldn't be that now he's old that you stop right okay so uh,
0: so Annika tell me about snuffle, snuffle mats then please so snuffle mats are basically
1: um, like a rubber mat or, or whatever it is and then you have fleece that you entwine I mean I'm sure you can get different materials but this is what I know um, and basically the idea is that you put food um, probably dry food it's probably easier um, and you put it in the folds of the fleece and then the dog is des- it basically has to go and find that food so it's a foraging exercise basically Um, But for anxiety, it works really well because it gives the dog a focus, gives them something to do and hopefully try and get them to either forget about or not be as bothered about um, what's going on, what it it is that's um, bothering them, basically. Um, So yeah, it's definitely worth a try if you have got an anxious pet. And you can use it for any animal. It's not just dogs, you know, um, rabbits, guinea pigs, anything like that. They'll all thrive from it.
0: Oh, really? So what other products would you recommend for pet anxiety? Like uh, Sarah was saying, a lot of the um, puzzle
1: feeders are really good. Um, So you can get things that... um, like slow feeders or so the slow feeders are basically just like a bowl or something that's got raised bumps in it and again it's just about the dog finding the food things like kongs you can fill them with food and uh, pop them in the freezer they'll last even longer you know fill them with paste or cheese or um kong do actually do like a paste as well that you can use um ardent grains do a paste you can use so all these things you can use or any sort of wet dog food you could even use you can have brain games as well so you can get like wooden or Plastic um, games. We do sell a few in store. And um, again, it's just about the dog moving bricks or sliding things around with their nose. So there's a lot of things that you can buy, um, you know, and you can try them and just see if it helps or not. Even if it doesn't help with the anxiety, the dog will probably enjoy it regardless.
2: With um, exactly what you said, with the Kongs or anything that's then frozen or a paste, the actual licking is self soothing for a dog. So it will naturally reduce their anxieties as well. So if they are maybe a bit worried when you're not there, leaving them a Kong full of frozen chicken stock or something that they could lick, like yoghurt on a licking mat, is naturally self-soothing, as well as chewing. So anything that's chewable that they're allowed, that can also help. I might try all these tips
0: actually when I'm in the house. So when I'm often upstairs or if I'm working where I'm not in the same room as him, he also gets stressed. So I'm going to start introducing those while I'm in the house. Is that a good idea or have I got to do this just when I'm not here completely? I think you've got a risk of
1: um, sometimes if you do it only when you're gone, the dog starts to think, oh, hang on a second, you've got the Kong out. This means you're leaving. So it's about how you do it. And I think sometimes if you do it when you're there and you're sat on the sofa or whatever and you just let the dog have the Kong just because, and then sometimes you're not there and it's still the same, but the dog doesn't know, you know, he can't tell because of the Kong, as it were. That's probably a better way of doing
3: it, I would have said. We've got quite a lot of owners that do film and see what their pet's behaviours are. So, you know, even if you're upstairs having like a nanny cam, there's iPhone ones and stuff, and you can just see what he does when you're not actually there. And, you know, sort of, that's quite a good thing to get a camera so you actually know what they're doing and when. And- yeah,
0: I've seen I've seen those little pet cams and they're actually not that expensive, are they? And you hook them up to an app on your smartphone and then you can just keep an eye on them, I guess. But I try to limit the, the length of time that I'm out anyway. But let's talk about other pet anxieties. For instance, my, my producer moved house recently and his, his gorgeous cat started having a few little accidents at the front door. Um, how should we tackle these clear signs of
3: anxiety? Um, Sarah, I'm going to come to you on that one. Yeah I'm sure Charlie will be able to go through things more but the reason that there is sort of medical reasons why they start uh, cats and dogs as well but start urinating inappropriately and the biggest cause is stress. So when you're moving home you can actually start the process before you move house. So the use of um, belly ways are quite good. We use a, a product called Pet Remedy and their wipes, their plug-ins, their sprays, you get them on the pet's bed so that they get used to the smell and then the idea is when you move them somewhere you put them in sort of one room so it's not overwhelming that they're suddenly in a new house. You put all the products in and sort of make it better for them and then bit by bit you introduce them to the house um, you know, they know where their litter trays are. You try and keep the tray you had before consistent, the products you use in it consistent. And then cats, especially when they're rubbing uh, their cheeks and stuff, they're actually scent marking and leaving a a trail. So the idea is to bit by bit, let them do that to, you know, a room from their bed to, to the litter tray and stuff. And as horrible as it is, if a cat pees in the house, you shouldn't really reprimand them they're doing it because you know they're stressed cats are inherently clean and they're not doing it to to spite you they're not doing it to be naughty they're they're doing it because they're anxious and they don't know you know where to go and sometimes stress can cause cystitis so they're actually urinating more than normal so it could be that they're not able to get to the tray and stuff so unfortunately naughty naughty producer he should have taken steps before he moved house
2: as sarah said cats can face rub and leave face deposits whilst they maybe you might have seen it before with a cat rubbing either on you or fabric or furniture doors and it's actually a really good sign it means they're comfortable and happy and they go back and they smell that scent that they've deposited which is pheromones and that will then make them happy again, which then makes them want to do it more and more. So it's a lovely circle for them. But when they're not happy, they stop doing it. Then they don't have those natural pheromones around, which then doesn't make them feel happy. So it's quite a, a difficult situation when that happens because they can't. nothing can really be done. And that's why the products are so good for cats because it then starts that circle again. And Feliway has that exact... Pheromone deposit copy in the product, and it's scientifically proven to then calm or comfort cats just as it would if it was the natural actual pheromone that they have. Um, and there's also a brand new version which is Fellow like Optimum, which is even better calming and, and better help for them to feel that reassurance again. Um, but especially things that are stressful, like moving house, that's the thing that would then break that lovely circle of feeling comfortable because they would get a bit worried their control has gone their schedule has gone and their reassurance of their environment that they've created their territory has also changed so starting with that fellaway, you can either have the plug-in um, in the room the cat spends the most time or the spray maybe on bedding towels whether they're being transported or a room they're staying in and just trying to create that comfort environment again they last normally about 30 days, the diffusers, and it's best to plug in at minimum 24 hours before you want them to work perfectly. So say if you are moving into a new house, maybe ask to go a week before the cat moves in and set up a room for them and plug in the diffuser even a week before they get there just so you know that whole room is full of those lovely pheromones we don't know they're there we can't smell them we can't perceive them but cats can i've used the dog
0: version actually it is really really good annika do you sell all of those products then
1: yeah we sell a uh, felly we sell pet remedy um I think that's it for diffuser type things. But yeah, we sell all those. Very popular. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we sell a lot, especially around Bonfire Night and, you know, the the big events, really. Um, fireworks, um, sorry, New Year's, what I was trying to say. Again, it is a case of trying to prepare beforehand, but sometimes owners do get caught out in an emergency and, you know, if they're there, if they need them. So we, yeah, we usually have them in stock.
0: So coming on to actually to bonfire night, I'm, I'm sure you'll all agree there's no sh- such thing as just one night anymore. It's not even a week; it's more like a whole season, isn't it? And um, yeah, it's it's a stressful time, isn't it? What advice could you give for nervous dogs? And I, I'm going to start. I'm going to start with you, Charlie, actually, because I know we've just talked about that product. Um, it must become extremely popular.
2: Yeah, definitely, especially for dogs. We find that adapter. We'll both fed away and adaptal but adaptal for dogs during fireworks is I think a savior just for me personally with my own dog who is a rescue and slightly nervous anyway we can't explain these loud bangs that just come out of nowhere to them or the sound uh, the light anything that might be triggering so it's quite hard to kind of explain to them this isn't scary they're going to be naturally scared of it So having some preparations in place can really help. So dogs might find a safe area, a den, anywhere that they like to sleep, hide, a crate, for example, that's hidden with a blanket that's open. They can go there and they can feel reassured themselves, reassure themselves in that den area. But also just closing curtains, blinds, making sure all doors are shut turning the TV or radio on, quiet, just trying to muffle out as much sound as possible. And also just trying to, if you have a puppy, maybe associate those sounds early on with something positive, starting very quiet and building it up louder and louder.
0: So like a noise conditioning, I guess, from an early age, is it? Yeah. Sarah, would you have any top tips as well? I'm sure that you have so many questions from new owners about
3: the fireworks season and noises and stresses. Yeah, so just following on from what Charlie said, there is actually CDs and stuff available called Sound Scary, so you can start them on a low volume and get your animals used to sort of loud bangs. It's not just fire. There's thunder, lightning, uh, cars backfiring, and gradually over a period of time you get them more used to it. Um, the biggest tip we have for fireworks and anxiety in general is that all pets should have somewhere that is their space that they can retreat to. And when they're in that, so if we say it's like a den or something, if a firework's going off, the owner needs to leave them quietly in that den area going down to them and hiding with them and stuff, they perceive that as the owner's scared, not that the owner's checking up on them. So it is a case of sort of, you know, giving them a safe space, preparing them. If they're a little bit worried and they come to you, you give them gentle reassurance. You don't make a big thing of them. Um, But yeah, sadly, fireworks is not just one night, it's many nights. People ask us about sedating their dogs uh, we we only recommend it in very few circumstances. There's, there's better preparation to do and stuff. And it is tr- planning as early as possible and getting your pet used to the, the situation.
2: Brilliant. I definitely agree. What Sarah is saying that accidentally you can reward them for that response, that stress response, and then you might accidentally be encouraging it to happen more and more. And also if they are stressed from the fireworks, you might be rewarding it and saying you should be stressed for the fireworks when obviously we want the opposite. We want more calm, comforting behaviours and trying to get them to feel that this is okay, you'll be okay through this. Uh, One
1: thing that I do with my dogs is I get uh, filled hooves um, and I put them in the freezer, either already filled or I can fill them with with, with wet dog food or something else that I use. Um, And I basically save them for bonfire night or when I can just sense that it's going to be fireworks because one of my dogs doesn't like fireworks. So I just know that if I give him something to eat and he's very food, more food motivated, that he'll just be quiet then. Um, And the other thing I was going to say is the other thing I do with them is when a firework goes off, I tend to throw him a piece of kibble. So then it's kind of like firework, food, firework, food, firework, food. So it's, it's not necessarily preparation, but it's just like, we're stuck in this moment. This fireworks going off. I didn't think there were going to be any, but, Seeing as there is, I know my dogs will eat food anyway. So I just give them food, basically get them to associate the firework with the food. So if you've got a dog like that, that can work out really well. So a dog that's maybe a little bit stressy, but not overly stressed, you know, not to the point that you need to add medications or anything like that. I find that really helpful with
0: my dogs anyway. I'm loving all these top tips. Um, For me, I mean, Basil was always really stressed about bonfire night, really, really to a point of it would upset me to see how stressed he was and I tried everything and then now it's at the stage where obviously he's lost his hearing he's not bothered by them but I'm not taking any chances I still close the shutters put the music on put the tv on loud all of those distractions make the den just in case am I still doing the right thing
3: yes definitely they have shown that dogs respond quite well to classical music so if you are putting on music, try and, you know, pick something like that. There are actually websites that do, do. Uh, on a loop classical music for dogs and it has been shown not just with fireworks but anything anxious and more than anything I do think having a den and you know closing the curtains we assume they associate the noise but it could be that they see the flash and that they know something terrible is going to happen so as many of the stimulations you can help your pet avoid the better.
1: As dogs age they're used to their routines and I think you saying that you're continuing what what you're doing is probably quite reassuring for him. You know, if um, if, he can, if he could hear the fireworks, maybe he might hear the odd one or something and, you know, the routine's changed as well. That could be even more upsetting. So I think carrying on with what you're doing, just because he might be picking up upon your body language or anything like that, it's worthwhile just sticking with what you're doing. Just keep it all the same for him. Just keep, try and keep him calm that way as well.
2: And I can feel vibrations too. So definitely continue. Just, I would say, add a adaptor plug-in as well because it can help... All dogs, no matter their age.
0: Yes, I do. I do stock up at that time of the of the year because, you know, going into winter as well. You know, is there a, such a thing as seasonal disorder for dogs? Uh, you know that humans get as the the nights draw in. Is is this something that affects our pets, for instance?
3: Indirectly, yes. Anything sort of similar to what's been said already that changes their routine is going to affect them so when there's you know shorter days and darker nights they're not getting maybe the exercise and the stimulation that they want Uh, naturally if an owner is a bit down that it's dark or it's wet they're going to pick up on on the stress and anxiety of an owner so in general they don't have the symptoms and signs that we do of you know sadly being depressed or or stuff but anything that Will change their routine i I personally believe a dog, the highlight of their day, should be going for a walk, and most dogs don't care you know whether it's in the dark, whether it's windy or or whatever you just you know take precautions where you walk them and you know make sure that the you know they still get the the chance to be out smell and and do stuff, and that's more important to them than. Than anything, and if an owner says, "Oh, he's acting differently," it's more likely the owner's acting differently, and they're picking up on it.
0: Anna, could you have anything to add to that? You know, like like you said about
1: like walks and things might change because you might want to get home earlier because it's getting dark. Um, a dog could possibly pick up on something like that. Um, obviously, if it's dark as well, and you've got a dog that's reacted to other dogs, and there's a black dog, for example, they might uh, respond to that um, because they might not be able to see that dog as, as well. Um, if you've got a dog that's getting blind or um, getting older you know again they might be reacting to things in the dark it's just little things really that you wouldn't necessarily think of but um, it might explain why a dog is is reacting a certain way um, just because of the season.
0: Yeah so with with seasonal changes and winter on the way what, what do we need to be uh, aware of on the
3: anxiety stress level? Well just in general with sort of winter comes colder and damper conditions. So not necessarily anxiety, but we we do think same as in humans, that things like arthritis is worse during this time. So, you know, your pet may be sort of showing unusual behaviours and it's worth, you know, figuring out, is it pain related? Is it anxiety related? And, you know, sort of treating them accordingly. Come, you know, winter and stuff, dogs that go swimming and stuff, they can still go swimming, but you just need to dry them off properly. But the biggest anxiety you're going to see in the coming months is for puppies that have been poorly socialised so that don't know what an umbrella is, don't know what someone in a heavy coat or a hat or something. So again, it's trying to prepare and get used to things that they may not have encountered before and having a plan in your mind how how they're going to face it and how you're going to act and just sort of trying to reward positively so that any new situations that they can cope with.
0: Fabulous. So, Charlie, as the nights draw in then, are dogs more wary in the dark? And in particular, uh, for instance, I know, Annika, you touched on the fact that if the dog is, you know, um, struggling with his eyesight, obviously dark nights doesn't help. And in particular with my dog, his hearing's, not there. Last winter, it was, you know, he was fine. This winter, it's going to be very different. So Charlie, with that in mind, um, do you have any more top tips?
2: I'd probably try. And if you are worried, then I'd try and maybe always keep them on lead, keep them close, maybe just look ahead. What is coming up? Should I just stay to the side and avoid it just to be safe? Or am I able to um, tackle this with a few treats and create a positive association? depending on each of the scenarios that would be worrying or challenging, then try and break them down and see what is the best for me and my pet and how can we get through it in a positive way for them, but also me and try and just relax a bit because dogs will be able to perceive what you're feeling and and feel that too. So I with my dog, I would go out at night and now it's getting a bit darker sometimes. I thought, oh, he doesn't like the dark, but it's me. It's because I don't. I want to get home as quickly as possible as soon as it starts to get dark, and he's picked up on it. So it's also important for us to try and relax as well, and, and it is a lovely time for them. So let them smell, let them take that time, and just be aware of the safety aspects. So keeping them on lead, making sure their chip is up to date, And if you are leaving them in the garden a few more times than normal, because there is that shorter period of going on walks and you might not be able to do the times you normally do, then make sure your garden is secure. But try to keep it as the other seasons, try to keep it as normal as you can. Structure and routine is so important as well.
0: And Annika, I mean, I'm guessing that Pet Place have so much advice and so many products to help us as we head into winter to still be able to socialize our pets and relieve that stress for them because it's interesting that all of these tips point to the fact that as as owners it's such a responsibility and that anxiety you know there's these little things that add up to so much and uh going forward just making sure that they are still socialized they don't care about the weather it's us isn't it that cares about the weather um but yeah i'm sure that you are full of amazing products to help us still socialize our pets in the winter
1: yeah of course we've got we've got plenty of products that can help um i think though what's important to say as well is that we're open from nine till six apart from on sunday and you know you can bring your dog into store or any animal obviously what's appropriate (laughs) but um yeah you can bring your puppy in you can bring your adult dog you can bring your older dog in you know we can fit coats we can fit harnesses we can fit uh, all these things are not just about getting products for your dog they're all about exposing your dog to situations getting them used to people seeing other dogs um you know so it's not just about coming and buying stuff from us it's it's also about the experience that your pet has while they're here um you know like i say you'll see other dogs you'll see other people um you know they'll see there'll be plenty of smells and things in store obviously if it's dark outside and you don't want to walk in the dark, you can come around the store. You know, um, obviously, Abigail has got the dog park as well. Um, so when that's op- open again, people can take their dogs in um, and socialize in that way, um, as- assuming it's appropriate for that dog. So there's plenty of options out there um, in our stores. So we do encourage people to bring their dogs in, bring the puppies in, you know, and just get them used to all sorts of situations and trolleys things like that all the things you wouldn't necessarily think of loud noises we have cages going in and out all day these are all things that dogs need to be you know okay with and i'd also say as well that a lot of people blame themselves and they think that they've caused a reactive dog or they've caused um their dog to be anxious and sometimes it is genetics sometimes the dog is is wired that way and there's only so much that you can do however I think it's important that you do do what you can do as well, so although your your dog may be prone to being anxious, you know we can still do things we can still expose them to things at a gradual level that they're okay with without you know going overboard about it. I guess what I'm trying to say is that the animal that you've got is the animal that you've got, and we we can do what we can for them and we should obviously, but i would also wouldn't be, feel guilty about the fact that your animal is the way that it is necessarily.
3: If he is losing his hearing, high pitch is the last thing to go. So it would be worth investing in like um, a referee's whistle. He should still be able to hear that. And if his eyesight's going as well, especially coming up to winter by the reflective, strips and tabards they can still see reflections great thank you so much
0: actually that's another thing to my shopping list it's going straight in my basket thanks so much it's an, um, amazing to get your advice and thanks for taking part in the pet place podcast thank you very much thank you no problem thank you pet place. don't forget you can get more information and advice from the official website farmandpetplace.co.uk. That's it for another episode. See you next time on the Pet Place podcast, when we'll be looking at ways to care for wildlife during the winter months.
2: Pet Place.